1 Kings chapter 18, we began last week, if you were with us. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. We got to about verse 20. If you'll remember, we're looking at the life of Elijah. Elijah means the Lord is God. Elijah, we are introduced to when Ahab has become the king of the Israel, which is the northern ten tribes. In this section, we know that when he says Israel, he's referring to the northern ten tribes. When he's referring to the tribe of Judah and half the tribe of Benjamin, he'll say Judah. But Ahab is the king in the northern ten tribes, which are apostate. They're worshiping golden calves. They're ignoring God. They're not going down to Jerusalem three times a year. And he has went and married a Syrio-Phoenician woman whose dad was the priest of Baal. And then he became the king of that region. And so when he married Jezebel, or Jezebel, listen to it, her name means uh, without husband. Her name means unhusbanded. That's a weird word. Unhusbanded. She doesn't have a husband. In other words, she has no authority in her life. Except for the devil, Baal. And Ahab marries her outside the tribes of Israel, disobeying God. He's unevenly yoked. And then he builds a temple for Baal. And they begin to Baal worship. And Jezebel begins to kill all the prophets of God. See, that's the spirit that's going on in the world today in a sense where the word of God is being destroyed and man is teaching by the spirit of Baal or the spirit of the devil religion. And they're making the word of God to no avail. It's the same thing that happened to the nation of Israel. It's happening to the church again today. Because the devil eases in and we make religion feel good. We make the word of God feel good to the flesh. And we ignore the true word of God. And we build a religious system that is false. And it leads people straight to hell. Just like the nation of Israel did. Now if you don't believe me, go look at the words of Jesus. He looked right at the Pharisees and he called them whitewashed fences. Empty tombs. He says, you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and then you make them twice the son of hell. In other words, he fills them full of religion to where they think they're serving God, and they're really going straight to hell. Twice dead. And we're doing the same thing in our churches today by teaching man's doctrine instead of the word of God. So what happens with Elijah? He's courageous. He has a relationship with God. He's hearing the voice of God. And God sends him, think about this because this is powerful, sends him right into the throne room of Ahab to announce to Ahab that it's not going to rain for three years. Now, now you've got to get this clear because Baal or Beelzebub, Baal is supposed to be a god of rain and thunder and lightning and 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 his his supposed other god uh, asherah is supposed to be this fertility god they're supposed to be bringing things alive and don't miss this this is very important the nation of israel never thought they left god 
they thought they could worship both and didn't know that when you worship an idol or a false god, God will leave the room. He doesn't play second fiddle. He doesn't even share. He's a jealous God. So they were worshiping God three times a day going into the temple at the hour of prayer, and they would worship Baal the other time. And it's just like our culture today in the world, in America. We follow the American dream. We follow entertainment. We follow all the rock stars. And we think because we go to church on Sunday or carry a big Bible that we are still worshiping God. But we're really worshiping and playing religion. And our hearts are far from God. So he, with very much courage, because Ahab could have killed him right there, but he was trusting God, and God told him to go tell him. He announced to Ahab that his God, before he, who he stood before, has said it's not going to rain for three years. And really what he's doing is beginning a challenge, because if Baal is really a God, he can make it rain. If he's really the rain God then there's no way that God, Yahweh, Yeshua, Yah, can be God. And he walks out and God tells him to go hide because he knows that Ahab is going to get mad and Jezebel is going to chase him. And if you'll remember, he goes to the brook Chinnereth and God feeds him with a raven. God lets him get water from the brook and then because it hasn't rained, the brook dries up. And the whole time he's teaching Elijah faith. He uses the natural, the water, till it dries up. And he uses the supernatural, a raven, to bring him an unclean bird, to bring him food. And then he goes to the woman in, um, where is that at? Let me look. Then he goes to uh, Zarephath, to the widow who has a son. And she feeds him. She's gathering sticks to die. She has no hope like our culture today. Our culture today is gathering sticks to die. Let me get some food, put it on my counter, get my mask back on so I can go home and die. I'm scared to death. I'm not trusting God. I'm going home to die. The world has said we're going to die. We're all going to die of COVID. We're all going to die if we don't do what they say. Where is God at in that? Where is God at in this equation? God has told us to obey earthly governments, but he's never told us to trust them. They're under the sway of the wicked one, according to 1 John 5, 19. They're liars, and you need to know that. So he goes there and stays for three years, around three years. And then God, in chapter 18, comes to him again after three and a half years and said, Go present yourself to Ahab. And as he's going, who does he meet? He meets Obadiah. As the word of God is traveling, because the prophet always brings the word of God, Old Testament, Hebrews 1.1, past times in divers manners, God spoke through the prophets, but in these last days he speaks to his son, Jesus Christ, whom he made heir of all things, whom he used to create all things. Christ created all things. He's the creator. Listen to me. On his way, as the word goes out, what does it mean? Obadiah. What does Obadiah mean? Serving God, a servant of God. The word is always going to be there to meet a servant of the Lord. And that's who you and I need to listen to, is the voice of God. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. While you're serving God, 
And in the word prayer and fellowship, he's going to speak to you. But if you're in the word prayer and fellowship and you're serving yourself, you're playing religion. If you're in the word prayer and fellowship and you're serving and listening to the world, you're playing religion. You're quenching the spirit. You're not going to know how to speak to others outside because the spirit is being quenched and you're not hearing the voice of God. But when you're looking in your heart to know and to serve and be ready for whatever God tells you to put your hands to, just like Elijah, you'll be ready. You'll be courageous. You will not be silenced. You will stand up. You'll not shut up because the spirit of God will be that which is speaking through you. So Elijah is told and he goes to tell Ahab. Obadiah goes and tells Ahab, Elijah is here. And when they come together, listen, Ahab calls him a troubler. It's in verse 17. 1817 first kings then it happened when ahab saw elijah that ahab said to him is that you O troubler of israel it's an interesting word because it means to disturb or afflict or to stir it means to royal water what yeah to stir the water he's disturbing the water he's saying He's saying, hey, Elijah, you're disturbing the water. You're turning the water. But really, Ahab doesn't understand that it's God who shut off the, the water. God shut off the rain. Because of the sin of the nation, because of the sin of Ahab, God shut off the water. Listen, listen. When you're not looking to obey God, you quench the Spirit and God shuts off the water. The Holy Spirit is represented by the water. Growth comes through the Holy Spirit. But what does this man of God who's listening to the voice of God because he has a relationship with God, because he's serving and obeying God, what does Elijah say? He answered him in verse 18, 18. I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. How did we do that? In that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Listen to me. Listen to me. When we forsake the commandment, the word of God, and begin to follow something else and call it God, we're following the devil. We're following the Baals. Baals above, the Lord of the flies. But notice the courage and notice who's in power here. Oh, Ahab's the king, but the prophet of God, the word of God is more powerful because God is the one who has all power and might. Look at verse 19. He, Ahab, or excuse me, Elijah tells Ahab what to do. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. See, his wife is feeding them. But notice Elijah's boldness. Notice his courage. The righteous are bold as lions. He's not afraid. He's speaking clearly to the king and telling him what to do. And the interesting thing is, is the king obeys. Look at verse 20. So Ahab sent 
for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And so here's this big meeting, Mount Carmel. They're up on the mountain. 850 prophets, 450 of Baal, 400 of Asherah, and all the children of Israel standing there. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter? How long will you halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Isn't that interesting? How long will you falter? How long will you skip over or hesitate? How long will you be lame and stand between two opinions? But the people answered him not a word. Listen, our memory verse. Walk with wisdom toward those who are without. Colossians 4, 5. But what does 4, 6 say? Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you might know how to answer every man, every one. These people did not know how to answer Elijah. They didn't know how to speak back. They didn't know what to say because they had been serving the Baals. They hadn't been building a relationship with God. They hadn't been looking to follow God. They had been following the earthly government system. They're following the system instead of God. They're following a religious system, maybe, instead of God. Because remember, if you remember, the northern kingdoms, the ten, um, began with two false calves. Then they changed the Day of Atonement. Was it Rehoboam or Jeroboam? I get them mixed up. He changed the Day of Atonement to the 8th month on the 15th day. <coughs> and has them following a false system. And they think that they're still serving God, but they're serving the Baals. It's Rehoboam. Excuse me, it's, it's Jeroboam. Rehoboam was the, uh, Solomon's son. And this is the age-old question. Is the Lord God? Or is something else God? Is Baal God? There's only two roads. There's only two paths. I know people will say, well, wait a minute. There's all kinds of religions. There's all kinds of... No, there's either worshiping and serving God, Yah, Yahshua, or there's serving the devil. I know many people think, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm not ready for God. Well, you're serving the devil. You're serving yourself. You're not obeying God. So there's only one other path to be on, and that is Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, the devil. And the people couldn't answer a word. Is it possible that the king is standing there, the government is watching? Is it the silent majority that won't speak up for fear of what the government might do? Is it the silent majority that won't speak up because they don't have courage from God? He tells us to be courageous. Because of him, not because of us. <coughs> what is your answer? 
If the Lord is God, then follow him. Follow, we learned, Sunday means to be in the way with. Following him, listen to his voice, doing what he says, no matter what the consequences are. So verse 22, here is the challenge fully. We've already got no rain, and Elijah is going to be, he's instructed, we'll see that later in the text. Let's just read it. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left the prophet of the Lord. Now that's not true. He's got, Elijah feels like that, though. He's standing there by himself. He's been sent by God by himself. You ever feel like you're by yourself? Listen, you can feel like you're by yourself, but know this, you and God are a majority. You're never alone if you serve God. You can stand up in a crowd no matter what happens. Do you remember the first martyr of the church, Stephen? He stood up in a crowd, and yes, they stoned him to death, but he was absent from the body and present with the Lord the same moment. And that is the crown of glory. That is finishing the race. That is our great an exceeding reward. So Elijah feels like, and he's got some things messed up here, he's the only prophet. The only one speaking for God. Remember, the prophet brings the word of God. But Baal's prophets are 450 men, and then there's 400 with Asherah. Therefore, let them give us two bulls. Notice who's in control. The word of God is in control. The word of God is setting the pace. Elijah is speaking for God. He's an ambassador. He's the prophet. Let them give us two bulls. Take it from their supplies. Elijah don't have anything. Remember that? <coughs> Elijah don't even have a house. He's being fed by God. Let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. They get to make their decision. Cut it in pieces. Lay it on the wood. Put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods. It's as if Elijah is pointing at the prophets of Baal. You call on the name of your gods. Remember this. Name means character, nature, and will. Name means the authority. You call on the authority of Baal. And I will call on the name, the character, nature, and will, the authority of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. Notice there, who responds, the answer. Because we should always be ready to give an answer to every man for the hope that lies within us. Elijah is standing there courageously doing that. And then he's challenging them that their God should answer. Remember, he's the God of fire. He's the God of lightning. He's the God of rain. They think that Baal is the God of fertility. He's going to provide everything for them. Although it hasn't rained in three and a half years. Their faith might be falling in their God. And they said all the people answered. Now they're going to speak. Look, they couldn't answer him a word before, but now they answered it is well spoken. They said, okay, let's do that. 25. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal. See, notice who is speaking. Notice who's directing traffic. Notice who's in charge. See, because Christians have went silent in America. Christians have went silent everywhere. But the, in the Bible, the Christians are always in charge. 
In the Bible, Paul was always in charge. Peter was always stepping up. Even when they said the wrong thing, Jesus always directed. Remember when Jesus was in the garden and they were coming to arrest him and they got this all these guards? They didn't walk up and go, all right, put your hands up. You're under arrest. No, he said, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. And they all fell down. He was in charge. God has given us that authority. We don't have to. I mean, we want to be polite. We want to have wisdom. We want to be with grace. We want to season it with salt. But we're the ones that have been sent as an ambassador for God. It's his planet. He's the Lord of hosts. He created it all. We know the truth. They don't. And we should study to show ourselves approved. Workmen unto God who need not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So he speaks to them and tells them what to do once again. He says to the prophets of Baal. Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first. You can go first. That's what he tells them. You can go first. For you are many and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. Listen, he knows their God is false. Think about it. If both of them have a chance to bring fire, wouldn't you want to go at the same time? But he knows they have no no power to do it unless God gives power. See, the devil can't do anything unless God gives him power. And if and if God sent Elijah to make this challenge, he knows that no fire is going to come. I'm not telling you that the devil can't bring fire from heaven. Because that's what's getting ready to happen with the beast. He's going to give power to the false prophet. And the false prophet is going to bring fire from heaven. Revelation 14. And going to deceive many with lying signs and wonders. But this time, you watch this text. God does not allow it to happen because he's proven a point that he is God. So you can choose him. But when that happens with the beast, with the false prophet, it's too late. God's already given people over to strong delusion. And they're going to choose the false Messiah. But God allows that to happen because we're on God's timetable. We're not on the world's timetable. I don't care what Anthony Fauci says. I don't care what Donald Trump says. I care about hearing the voice of God. Will I vote for Donald Trump? You bet. Maybe it'll give me a minute to tell people what God said. But the whole world there need to sway the wicked one. And God's people should not be. God's people should be listening to the spirit of God and the voice of God. Doing the will of God for the glory of God. So Elijah lets them go first. Because they have no chance of winning. He knows that. So they took the bull which was given them and prepared it. They do exactly what Elijah tells them to do and called on the name of Baal or Baal from morning until noon saying oh Baal hear us listen to this sadness but there was no voice listen to the nose no one answered no voice listen our God speaks to us his sheep hear his voice and they follow he answers us, but he wants to change our hearts so that we'll ask him according to his desires. 
so that we'll get in line with what he's doing of saving souls on the planet. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. Here's some modern day charismania leaping about. I'm sorry. I make no apologies. Listen to me. Listen to me. Elijah is getting ready to worship God in the strictest form ever by just normally speaking to him. He's been obeying him. He's following him. He doesn't have to make up a circus show to make it happen because he has a relationship. And he just cries out to God with a simple prayer because he knows what God has already said he was going to do. And when you ask God to do what he already said he was going to do, you know what? He does it. That's when you align your heart with what God's doing. And God has already said what he was going to do. We see that Elijah has a relationship. He's having a conversation with God. He knew what was going to happen on Mount Carmel. He's already got instruction. You and I are friends of God if we believe in Jesus. And we should know we're no longer servants. He told us we're friends, John 14. And he's told us everything we need to know. He told us he's coming back. He told us let our hearts not be troubled. He told us he went away to build us a mansion. He's told us all the things we need to know to trust him. To have faith in him. We don't need to leap about any physical altar. 27. And so it was at noon. Now they've been crying out to Baal since morning to noon that Elijah mocked them. He made fun of them. You know, I don't know if you know, but the Phillips translation says, maybe your God's on the toilet and can't get up right now. Something like that. He went to the bathroom. He mocked them and said, cry aloud. For he is a God, either he is meditating, or he's busy, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. He's mocking them. Now, I don't think we should mock anybody. He's making fun of them. He's making fun of them, is what Elijah's doing. Prophets had a pretty hard uh, mentality. And that's just a prophetic mentality. They didn't play any games. So he's mocking them and saying, something's going on with your God. He's not hearing you. So it stirs them up a little bit more. In 28 it says, so they cried aloud, listen, and cut themselves as was their custom. That's how they worshipped. With knives and lances. Until blood gushed out of them. That's how they worshipped. There's a spirit. And listen to me. That causes people to cut themselves. And it's a demon spirit. And this is a serious thing to talk about. And we need to be very careful with it. Look at Leviticus 19, 28. I want you to see this because I believe, and I'll, be, I'll get lots of emails about this. Leviticus 19, 28. It's, it's about worship. I believe it's all tied together. Now, that's my opinion. What did I say? Leviticus what? 1928? 
19.28, You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. Listen to me. I don't care if people get mad. Tattooing is cutting. And no matter why you're doing it, you're cutting. It cuts the flesh and then deposits ink there. And I think that Christians should be very careful with it. Because it's all tied to worship of Baal. I'm not saying that the person who gets a tattoo is worshiping the devil. But at best, it's narcissistic. At best, it's, 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 it's drawing attention to self. Be very careful with it. You might not know what spirit you are of. And I'm not even saying it'll send you to hell. I'm just saying be very careful. It's cutting your body. And this is the way they did it. This is the way they worshiped the dead. This is the way they worshiped Baal. This is why God warns against it. This is why the Bible's here. God's heart doesn't change. It just so happens that Christ fulfilled the law for us. He didn't do away with it. Still a good roadmap to know the heart of God. They're cutting themselves. Notice the blood gushed out on them. Notice there's blood involved in their worship. You know, in our worship, Christ poured out his blood to redeem us. Mm. 29. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. No, no, no. Listen, we need to say that to our flesh or we will be in that number that prophesies. Remember Matthew 7? The Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We prophesied in your name. And he says, be away from me. I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness and wickedness. No, no, no. That's what my Bible study used to tell me. He would get up in the morning, look in the mirror and point and say, no, no, no. And you need to say no to yourself and say yes to God. Man makes up all kinds of religion to keep from serving God. This is actually sad. They would cut themselves. They would do all of these things when they are Jews. Listen, they know who Yeshua is. Their parents taught them of God. And they're following a king that's a false king who's leading them into false religion, who's married to a foreigner. And they see this falseness going on, and yet they follow it because the government's telling them to. The ruling authority's telling them to. Instead of listening to God. Verse 30. Then Elijah... Elijah means the Lord is God. Said to the people, come near to me. Watch what happens here. Come near to me. The word of God, through the prophet of God, says, come near to me. You ever read that in the Bible? Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. 
Listen to me. Come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Is the altar of the Lord broken down in your life? Are you drawing near to God so he can draw near to you? Are you submitting to God so that then you can resist the devil? Because it's in submitting to God that you're able to resist the devil. It's in submitting to God that the Spirit of God will give you wisdom to say no to the devil. As you're obeying God, is the altar of God in your heart torn down? Does it need repair? It's a prayer away. All you have to do is ask God to forgive me and return to your first love. Coming near to God, drawing near to the word of God and repenting repairs the altar, the place of worship in your heart. He repaired the altar by drawing near. How's the altar in your life? How's your worship? How are you answering others? What is your worship, your place of worship today? So many people are worshiping at the altar of entertainment. Oh, we, we sang some songs in church. You should have listened. That's a type of worship. But worship is to bow down completely with our lives. Don't miss that Elijah's standing in the midst of a bunch of people that hate him. They want him dead. Don't miss that God purposely didn't let Jezebel be there. He repaired the altar that was broken down. Then verse 31, And Elijah took 12 stones. Remember 12 stones that they took out of the Jordan when they crossed over into this land? They represent one for each of the tribes. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Remember that text when Jacob coming back to see Esau and he wrestles with God? And God twists his hip out of socket. It's in Genesis 32, 28. And he says, your name shall no longer be Jacob. Remember, Jacob means supplanter, deceiver. See, we're, the, we're, we're, we're Jacobs. We're supplanters. We're deceivers. But he says, your name shall now be Israel. One governed by God. That's what the name means. Name means the authority of God. So he puts those back and he reminds them. I think that Elijah could have been preaching to them while he's putting them stones in place. Why he's repairing the altar. He's reminding them of their fathers. He's reminding them of Jacob. He's reminding them of what God. I have no proof of that. That's what I would have been doing while I was working. And while I'm working, I always preach. Then with the stones, he built an altar in the name, according to the authority, the character, nature, and the will of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. That's about four gallons of water. And he put the word, or excuse me, the wood in order. Probably represents the cross. Cut the bull in pieces. Probably represents Christ because it's the sacrifice. And he laid it on the wood. Remember, it's an offering. It's representing Christ nailed to the tree. And said... Fill four water pots with water. Water is a type of the Holy Spirit. 
pour it on the burnt sacrifice. A burnt sacrifice was a full dedication. So we know this probably represents Christ. And on the wood. Make sure you get it on the wood. Pour it out on the wood. The instrument. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. Notice he's bossing these prophets around. They're listening. They're obeying. One person went as far as to say, I remember hearing it years ago, that they're on the mountain. The water's actually at the bottom of the hill in the river. That every time he tells them to put water on it, they have to go clear down the hill, get water, and come clear back up. Now, I don't know that to be true. Maybe they already carried a whole bunch of water up on the hill. But it makes sense to me. And he says, do it a second time. Do it a third time. See, because we're talking about a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're doing it three times. So probably 12 gallons of water total, which would represent the 12 tribes, the 12 rocks. He's building the intensity, though. All the wood is wet. Everything's wet. The sacrifice is wet. Verse 35. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. So maybe more water than 12 gallons. He may have sent them again, but he did it three times to pour it on there. 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, which is about 3 p.m., because remember in the Jewish economy, their day started at 6 p.m. So their evening was at 3 p.m. In Genesis, it's the evening and the morning was the first day, 6 to 6. So about 3 p.m. It was noon when they were crying out. And then when it's time for the evening sacrifice, about 3, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, listen, he didn't dance. He didn't make any waving of his hands. He didn't do anything except saying, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Because his name has been changed to Israel, one governed by God. Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant. And that I have done all these things at your word. Remember, I talked about it before. See, God discussed all this with him. Told him the whole plan. Told him what to do. Told him what's going to happen. And he goes and just follows God's word. He goes and just tells them what God has said. What God's doing. What God's going to do. That's what these 66 books do. By 40 different authors. All inspired by God. They tell us exactly what's next. On the prophetic clock, that the rapture of the church, that the mark of the beast. Listen to me, it's all coming. It's all coming. Quicker than you think. And it's on God's timetable, it's not on the world's timetable. The devil is not in control, God is in control. Man is not in control, God is in control. How long will we trip over and be lame? How long will we falter between two opinions? Either God is God and we should follow him, or something else is God and we should follow it. How long? Thirty-seven. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. 
that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Don't miss that. You can't turn your heart back to God on your own. Not by power and not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You can't do it. All you can do is cry out to God and repent. It's his power. It's his might. He is the one that brings your heart right. He's the one that gives a savior. He's the one that redeems and ransom. It's all done according to his word and his power, his might. You can't do it. And if we don't get that, see, Elijah's telling us right here with his word. It's him that's turned their hearts back to you again. And they ain't even done it yet. Listen. They haven't done anything yet. But God's already told them that he's turning their hearts back. Isn't that amazing? All you have to do is cry out to him. Just repent. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. God's a consuming fire. And the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. Are you kidding me? Burnt the rocks up? Burnt the dust up? That's pretty amazing stuff. God can do that. He made us out of dust. Burnt the dust. Licked up the water. Look at the poeticness. Now when the people saw it, they fell on their faces. Fear of God. It's a good place to be is on your face. And they said, look what they're, what they're saying. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. You know what's interesting? You know what they're saying? They're saying, Elijah, Elijah, Elijah. That's what Elijah means. The Lord, he is God. And if we're not careful, people will worship Elijah instead of God. They'll miss the point. They'll see Elijah's power. They'll see Elijah's word. They'll see Elijah <coughs> doing the work. Instead of seeing a vessel that's listening to God, has a relationship with God, being used by God, and that God is doing the work. So you've got to be careful, even when God turns hearts back, to keep our eyes off of people and keep your eyes fixed on God. God did that work. God is the consuming fire. God's the one that burned everything up. God's the one that brings redemption. God's the one that turns hearts back. And causes us to repent and draw near. Somewhere in that is your choice to asking. Your free will to choosing. And then to trust him as you surrender that he'll do the work. He said, I have called you and I will also do it. Philippians 1.9, he says, I will complete the work I started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. We can't do it on our own. Verse 40, and Elijah said to them, the word of God said to them, what did it say to them? Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. All 850 of them, 450 Baal, 400 Asherah. So they seized them because their hearts had been turned back. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. Now I think that's where they got their water from. Was down at the brook Kishon. At the bottom of the mountain. Took them back down and executed them there. 
Everything that steals the place of worship in our hearts, we need to take down to the water. Let the Holy Spirit use the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, and execute it. And don't let it have place in our heart that would remove the place of God. Then what did Elijah do? Then Elijah said, Ahab. He said, hey, Ahab, come here. He's still speaking. He's still barking out orders. The word of God is speaking louder than before. He said, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. You can celebrate. The rain's coming. The prophets of Baal are dead. They couldn't bring rain. Listen, false gods can't do nothing for us. We know that as God's people. But when we try to worship both and we think we haven't left God, we're mistaken. When we try to worship everything else in the world and put God second, he leaves the room. And only drawing near to him and allowing him to repair the altar by drawing near to him and repenting will restore that fellowship. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. He obeyed again. And Elijah went to the top of Carmel. There he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. See, he's praying again. James 5.18 tells us that he prayed. He has a nature like ours. We have a nature just like Elijah who prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again and it rained. That's what he's doing right now. He's praying again because the prophets are dead. The false prophets are dead. The people's hearts are turned back to God. Short-lived, but it happened. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. Then, the, then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Here comes the rain. Interesting, isn't it? Because here comes the rain of God. His rain, his rule and rain. Here comes the rain. See the persistence in prayer? Elijah didn't pray once and go, well, didn't happen, God. He was persistent in prayer because he knew God said the rain was coming. He knew he was supposed to stay in prayer. Listen, God is coming soon. And he says, watch and pray. Remember when he said that to the boys in the garden? He's in Gethsemane, knowing where he was going. And he went and he had that, what's called hematidrosis, where he sweated great drops of blood because there was so much pressure on his physical body that he had to go knowing what the pain was going to be, knowing what the, everything was going to happen. He had to go and do the will of God. Hematidrosis. And the Bible reminds us in Hebrews chapter 12, you have not yet resisted to the point of blood. That's some pretty crazy stress that blood would come out. Your capillaries would collapse and blood would come out of your sweat pores. That's hematidrosis because of the strain that was upon you because you were going to obey the will of God no matter what. We have not yet resisted to bloodshed. That's persistence in prayer. I believe that's where our will is destroyed in prayer. It's one in prayer as he obeys God. And Elijah was persistent. That's where his sin nature was destroyed 
And he was able to follow God because he believed God was going to bring a Messiah in the future. And the blood was accounted to his account <coughs> even though the Messiah hadn't come yet. Here comes the rain. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was heavy rain. Now remember, Baal is supposed to be the Lord of all of that. Lightning and thunder. And he couldn't do nothing. He's been destroyed. He's not real. He's false. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Jezreel means God will sow. Isn't that interesting? God will sow. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. Isn't that what we want? The hand of the Lord upon us? With power, strength, and might. And he girded up his loins. That's where he took that, that, that dress or kilt and he tucks it in his belt and makes it like a pair of short pants. And he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. The Lord will sow. The Lord put his hand upon him and gave him strength and might. He had courage. He's praying. But he outran a chariot, a, a, a horse and chariot. He outran them for 15 to 25 miles. People are, it's either 15 miles or 25 miles. He ran, outran a horse. That's amazing to me. Quite amazing, because that's because God gives us strength that we need. He's an ever-present help in time of need. That's amazing. He beat him to Jezreel. Because he was listening to God, he was obeying God, he was trusting God, and God will always provide everything you need when you're surrendering to him. He's never going to call you to do anything that he doesn't go before you and do. Notice even with the cloud. In all of that praying, Elijah could have fell short and stopped praying at any time. And that little hand of a cloud would not have appeared. Then he would have not have followed through. His faith could have been weak. But because he'd been trusting God, he's following God. He listened to God as he went to the, to the, Ch the river Chinnereth. And God gave him water and fed him by a raven. He listened when he went down to the widow and God fed him over this oil that was gone, this flour that was gone for over three years. He fed him and the widow and her son. Then he listened when he went before Ahab again and he listened and God brought the fire, a consuming fire. Are you listening and obeying God? Because he wants to strengthen your faith. He wants, to, he wants to use your life. He wants to give you power and might through his spirit. And he wants you to be courageous and to trust him. He'll always do what he said he's going to do. The Lord, he is God. How long will we falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we know you are God. We believe, but help our unbelief. Give us courage. Give us a desire to follow you. Help us to draw near to you. Repair the altar in our heart so we can worship you in spirit and truth. Pour out your spirit upon these in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. The Lord bless you.